welcome back to the Good Dude Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Thomas, and this week, it's all about the mamas. We're doing a Mother's Day episode with my mom, Marianne Thomas. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Well, my name is Marianne Sissel Thomas, and I am the um, blessed mother of Jessica Thomas Winrick, Joy Thomas Rayburn, and Joe Curtis Thomas. And that's the most important. And um, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri, and ended up growing up in Gulfport, Mississippi, and um, met your father when I was 16, and pretty much the rest is history. That's a great intro. Okay. I feel feel like I know you so well. It's amazing. I know. (laughs) Amazing. It is. Okay. Marianne, or mother, mom, mama, whatever I'm feeling like calling you at the time. You ready okay. to get started with some of these hard-hitting questions that are really intense? I, I, think, I, I think I'm ready. Yes, okay. I'm ready. All right. Number one, what's one thing you would have done differently as a mom? Okay. Now, you have to let me say first that that is a difficult thing to answer because um, your dad and I often say, we don't know what we did right, but whatever it was, all three of our children turned out successful and confident, even though we didn't know what we were doing, must have been good. But definitely, I have to say, I would have used more sunscreen on all three of you because, um, you know, it was the times nobody really cared and you know so probably some preventative things like that would have been better that's, yeah that's an interesting interesting thought but i mean that makes sense and yeah. like anything else i mean you probably didn't know <clears throat> when we were growing up i guess how important it was or or, or all those things so that's that's fair right. I mean, it's a little it's a okay. little more a little more logical, I guess, or a little more basic than I expected, but that's fine. You know, I'm good okay. with that. All right. All right. Two. Oh, this is a good one. Ah. Why in the world did you choose to marry Mickey Thomas from Paxton, Florida, when you were 19 yeah. years old? So what was yeah. that? How did that happen? Yes, that's... Um... That is because we are polar opposites. That yeah. that is a good question. Um, and I was eighteen when we got married. So, oh, but no, you know who's counting. But um, here it was a chance meeting. So it wasn't you know it wasn't like maybe we would we met in school and we saw each other a lot. We I was bowling with friends, girlfriends, and he had just joined the Air Force and was stationed at Keesler. Air Force Base in Biloxi, Mississippi, and um, he and some friends knew about this bowling lanes in Gulfport where they could get away from the Biloxi area, you know, and he was just funny and confident and everything I wasn't, and so by the end of the evening, um, I gave him my phone number which was, you know, scandalous. scandalous in those days. In fact, Gulfport East High School, you know, I've later heard from my friend, Mike Purvis, that was quite the talk for a time that I was going to date an Air Force guy. 
Okay. So even though he really was only three years older than me, three and a half years older than me. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I, so I gave him my phone number, but I was hardly ever home right after school. By that time, 16 hours driving and babysitting and all this stuff. So I wasn't home when he tried to call, but he was very persistent. So we ended up talking to my dad, which is your pop pop. And my dad said, who is this nice guy named Carl? Because that's his real name, not Mickey. He's Mickey in Paxton, but he's Carl. And um, I said, oh, I met him bowling. And he said, well, I told him you will be home tomorrow at five and you will be home and talk to him because I think he's a really nice guy. So because I thought my dad was the best in the world and just, you know, hung the moon, um, I did what he said. And that led to us talking and uh, eventually going on a date. And um, from then we just uh, we just kept dating. He was um, swept me off my feet. So I guess he was my first love and only true love. And um, the, even though we're opposites, we maybe maybe the thing opposites attract really is true because we have stayed together all these years. That's true. And, you know, the odds would not predict that that could be because we then married at um, I was 18. He was 21. So but um, he was everything I wasn't funny, confident. And I was, you know, quiet and yeah, you know, just rambling well, like I actually do. That's all right. Well, <laughs> okay. that we, we love you for it, Mimi. It's fine. Yeah, okay. So, but that, that brings up an interesting question. I'm going to go off the script a little bit, so I hope you're ready okay. to improvise. Oh. Um, so, you describe Pop-Pop, your dad, as, you know, somebody you thought just, just hung the moon. So, obviously, you saw something in my dad, Carl, that was similar to him and yes. you know me as a father I want to be that kind of dad as well so what what would you what would you say about your dad that you thought you know was a, a good trait or, or something that why did you describe him that way like what in particular yes. was there anything specific I um, totally trusted his judgment because <clears throat> I thought he was intelligent and um could fix anything and he knew what was best and i just admired him and therefore you know he could see something that i maybe didn't see yet that this was a person that was respectful and you know maybe loyal and so um, that's a good question because, yes, I wanted to, I, try, I always trusted my dad's judgment. I thought he was wonderful because he always, he always included his family in everything he did. And he had quite a, as you know, quite a history and big bands and movies after World War II. And, you know, I always thought that was kind of neat, but... What he said 
always left an impression on me. I never wanted to disappoint him. That's interesting. Uh, and, and I know that's kind of a little bit off topic because this yeah. is a Mother's Day interview. And we're talking right. about mamas right now. But I was just yeah. curious because the way you said that, that was very interesting. So I, yeah. I might, who knows? I'll keep, maybe I'll keep that in. Maybe I'll just keep it for me. But that was, that okay. was good. That, I appreciate okay. it. All right. Let's get back to talking about mamas. All right. Okay. So All right. <clears throat> you have three kids. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure. And <laughs> what would you say, in what ways are, and you can go one by one or you can kind of do them in general, but what ways are <laughs> kids like you or, and then what ways are they completely different from you? Okay. So of my um, three children, um, which you have two older sisters and then yourself, um, I would have to say you probably got your intelligent um, quotient from me. <laughs> just kidding. I just, well, I don't, you know. Um, That's funny. But your, um, but your confidence um, and self-determination, more from your father maybe, but um, I was always, um, let's see, how do I say this? Um, wanted you to follow through with whatever you started. So, um, but it, that's not how you're like me. I guess that's how you're different because I wish I had done more of that. So when I raised you, I wanted you to feel confident and able to do anything you wanted to try. Um, so, uh, but I, um, so you're like me in, yeah, intelligence. That's um, pretty much because, you know. It's all from you, Mom. Yeah. Now, the way you're not like me, um, let's see. You weren't afraid to try. That's, I think I just touched on that. You weren't, you weren't afraid to try out things and maybe lose. And um, you had more self-confidence than me. And, and that's what I wanted for the three of you because um, – you know, when I was in high school, there wasn't really that much for girls to try out for. But I remember your older sister uh, trying out for the volleyball team when we were in Germany and she made it to the first round and then the second round. And then then she didn't make it, you know, in the final pick. And I was always afraid to try because I would fail. But I, I think all of you just went for it. You know, you just went for it and you dealt with um what whatever happened so yeah yeah i think that you brought up an interesting point and and i think it's <laughs> something as a parent you know i i can definitely see more of now is that a lot of my focus is mm -hmm. not so much to make my kids be like me it's to make them be better at the things that i feel like i'm not good at exactly and, so, and i and that's a really interesting point because i do feel like i have that mentality and i know joy and jessica do my sister so right. that that when when we start something we finish it even if it's miserable and even if we don't want to do it anymore and we know we're never gonna play cricket again we're gonna finish right. the season because we signed up and we committed to it and yes and that comes directly from from you obviously i mean we we weren't that was never an option mm -hmm. like you if you wanted no. to do something then that's great but you followed through and and you got it you finished it so I, I think that's uh, yeah. an interesting point. I think that's a, a really neat kind of takeaway. 
you know, for, for all the other parents and moms out there who are going through the yeah. same thing. All I right, definitely, yeah, with confidence, yeah. yeah. I wanted you all to have self-confidence, yeah. Well, it's the best thing you can give your children. Good. A little okay. nugget there for everybody. Yes. Sound bite, all right. Yeah. Okay. Little... All right, ready. ready for the next one? Yes. Okay. Do you think it is easier or harder to be a mother now or when you were a mom? I think it is harder now to be a good mom because of so much information out there that parents are bombarded with about being a good parent. And I didn't know all that. And we just did the best we could and went from day to day. We didn't have all this social media and telling you, you know, how to raise your children perfectly and, you know, believing there was only one way or this way. And um, so I definitely think it's harder now for parents. And there seems to be more things to worry about than when I was raising the three of you. And I, and probably I didn't keep a close enough rein on you. I, I pretty much gave all of you freedom to, uh, you know, kind of go do what you want and, um, and I might have not done that in this day when, you know, you might be afraid to let your children go down the street and play for hours. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, well, and, and it's a different time, but I, that's an interesting <laughs> perspective, I think. And, and I think you make some good points. Um, all righty. Good answer. You're just breezing Ooh. through these, Mom. Kill. I didn't know that question because I thought we were on growing up what you wanted to do. Well, that's the next <laughs> one. So. Oh, okay. What did All right. you want to be when you grew up? Well, I have, yeah, kind of a little funny story about that because um, when I was 16, my best friend and I, Pam, uh, you know, we always read the magazines, the teen magazines, 17 of us. And so we decided um, we should apply to become flight attendants. Uh, for Pan American because it said to send a picture and you had to be tall then you had to be at least five foot seven um, and we were and so we sent it off we didn't tell our parents we were 16 but um, we got calls for them to come and interview us <laughs> until they found out we were still in high school and uh, so that nixed our flight attendant career. And uh, <laughs> we, we didn't get to do that. Uh, then my father, who I've said I you know, totally admired, thought if I was going to go to college, um, maybe I would love the meteorology field, which I didn't even know what meteorology was <laughs> at that time. But he took me up to Hattiesburg, southern Mississippi, which is, you know, where we finally did graduate from, your father and I, and um, showed me the program. So I thought that might be kind of interesting. But um, the main thing I want, I, I didn't know what I would be. I wanted to see the world. I, I really wanted to go to faraway places and see the world. I, that was, and so, um, you know, when your dad and I got married and <coughs> I was 18 and off we went to Japan. So um, that sent us on a whole new course. 
And then by the time I started college, after he got out of the Air Force, uh, he was on GI Bill and we lived in the married um, housing apartments at the college. Mm-hmm. I was leaning either nursing or teaching, you know, because at that time, you know, females didn't usually go into medicine and engineering that much. Some did, but not many. And I already had Jessica, so, you know, I was going to lean. And I decided that I would choose teaching or education because if even if I didn't become a teacher, I thought the knowledge of a four-year education degree would help me as a mom. Yes. So I... Um, so I went with that. And by the time I finished, I think it took me about six years because in between starting classes and finishing, your sister Joy was born and then you were born. And I was trying to take classes when I could and, you know, arrange for who was going to take care of y'all. And I would see the college students that, you know, would just come to class and, you know, it's what party are you going to this afternoon? And they'd come in in the morning, you know, just with a Coke and just be so relaxed. And I'd, I'd had to drop babies off and I think I appreciated it more. So I think that made me stay with it yeah. because uh, I knew what a sacrifice it was getting that degree. So I, I really appreciated it more. And, cool. and, I, and teaching is the field for me because although there's not a ton of money in it, um, when a student comes back later and tells you, you know, you made such a difference in my life, you know, and I'll never forget that. That's worth more than money. I think that's a great answer. And it, it's definitely what you, I feel like we're meant to do. And it's, that's a funny story about being a flight attendant. That, that yeah. <laughs> but um, I'm glad you weren't a flight attendant, if that makes Me you too. better. Me <laughs> too. All right, here's one, and I'm interested in hearing your answer on this one because I feel like it could be a couple different things. So what event during your lifetime radically changed the way you viewed the world? That, yeah, that is difficult. Radically changed the way I viewed the world. Yeah. And I don't think it was in my younger days, everything seemed so wonderful then. I grew up in a time where you played outside until it got dark and your mom called you to come in and everything seemed safe. And even when we lived in Germany and I lived in Japan, it's still everything. I I enjoyed uh, studying cultures and different people. You know, I've always loved that. But I have to say, even though I was in my 40s, uh, 9-11, okay, happened. And um, all of a sudden, something different than I never thought of happened. And I started hearing news reports and, you know, of course, and it was all terrible. And things that I thought were only in history books, like in the days of kings and queens, and guillotines, you know, like uh, beheadings. I thought that I never, that never crossed my mind that that could happen in the modern, in modern times. So I, I, maybe I was just totally gullible or, or the U.S., you know, the United States was always seemed, you know, non-approachable 
from anyone. And um, that event, and then since then, has changed my thinking into understanding how unsafe and vulnerable we can be. That's that's interesting. Ed, that was that was one of the one of my guesses. Honestly, you know what I thought yeah. was going to be the other one, um, and it, it's one of my kind of mental shift moments was when we lived in Germany and uh, Flutog happened. So yes. for those of you that don't know, Flutog was a air show that happened at Ramstein Air Force Base every year. It was huge. There was always like international air forces that would come and show off their fighter jets and they do all these cool like tricks and stuff and it was really really big deal for the for the base and for the military and it was a huge event and i remember i i must have been 10 i don't know maybe nine and um and my oldest sister jessica was in high school and she was working at the event and we were all at home we weren't there we didn't go we were all stayed home and there was a horrible plane crash and the planes crashed into the crowd and there were hundreds of people hurt and killed and we had no idea what was going on and i remember um you and dad and how terrified everyone was and i didn't understand really what was going on i just knew that my parents were afraid and i think that was the first time i ever really saw that that, yes. that you you know you guys were my safe place and and that's yeah. that's where i was comforted and then all of a sudden everybody is terrified and nobody knows what's happening and everybody's scared and everybody's crying and it's really upsetting. I mean, it ended up being fine. Obviously my sister wasn't hurt. Um, right. You know, it was definitely a, a traumatic experience for everybody involved, but that was when I realized that y'all weren't super human, that there was, you know, there were people there. It wasn't just mom and dad knew everything and everything was going to be fine. Yes. Like that, it, that there was danger, that there was things that you didn't control. And so that I, was I didn't know if it was that, if that would have been one of them, uh, or nine 11 was one of my other guesses. So, and that was, and, and, you know, in Flugtag in Germany, you definitely was, um, definitely changing because, um, I remember, and you probably remember, you know, we were going to pick your sister up because she was selling root beer floats at the, because it was a big event that all the Germans came, went to for the air show every year. And um, so I didn't even know the air show crash happened. And then of course, no one could get on the base. They shut that down and we had to go back uh, to where we lived. And as we were going back, it was surreal because I saw buses with like triage patients and IVs going up to the hospital because, as you know, we live near the Lonsdale big American hospital. And then I saw helicopters landing where there was one, only one helicopter pad, but five and six were landing at a time, bringing the burn victims there. Um, and, and for a long time. And then so there was about an eight hour period before we knew that our daughter was OK. And um, your dad, uh, he was allowed to get on base because he was active duty and he just jumped on uh, a bus that was going there to uh, help with triage or something. And he went from place to place trying to find her and then finally found her in the theater where you were supposed to go if 
you were waiting for someone to pick you up. But um, yes, I, I think for a couple of years, I couldn't even talk about that event. So yeah. I, could, I, I would tear up if I started to talk about it. But then, um, then I, you know, then I became okay with that as far as, well, that just happened here. Yeah. And then I don't know if you remember, but when we moved to Iowa, uh, your dad was teaching ROTC at the University of Iowa, and we had just gotten there, and there was a mass shooter on campus, and um, and they said he was near the ROTC building, and he was at random shooting people, and I think he, uh, he, he was a, like a physics doctoral student that was uh, unhappy, you know, and he took out like four of the leading minds of physicists in the world at the time and, um, and random. So, and then I, so that was a disaster. So I thought, wow, I'm, I'm getting too close to some <laughs> disaster things happening, you know? So, yeah. yeah so that kind of shakes you when you're close to something that's kind of a, a disaster thing. Yeah. And, and I didn't mean to take Scary. it to a really negative place. I'm just interested because, yeah. you know, as, as a parent now, and I can imagine as a mother, you know, that those feelings, especially the safety one is a, is a huge deal. You know, if you're not safe yeah. at home in your own country, if you're not safe, you know, on an air force base, if you're not safe at your work, you know, right. it, it's, it's, it's very disconcerting. So I was just curious as to, as to what that would be, but that, that was a, that was a very interesting well, answer. also, and losing you at the water park um, was yeah. pretty traumatic yeah. for me. I think yeah. you were you three. gone for like an hour. Yes, I Well, and we couldn't find you, and the lifeguards wouldn't help us, and it was right near, uh, you know, an interstate, and I was frantic. Somebody could have grabbed you, you know, didn't know. You were, you were just up where somewhere having fun, up and down what the slide. What'd I do? You slid fault, you wouldn't have made me so so independent and confident, I wouldn't have ever run away. seeking yeah. It's your, yeah. it's your fault. Mine, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, so um, I'm going to take it, I'm, uh, once again, go off script, so I apologize if I confuse you. Okay. But in that regard, so as a mother, first off, but then also as a mother of a boy... <laughs> in particular mm. how like how was that experience different i would say than raising the girls primarily from the stance of you know as, especially for mothers today of boys mm -hmm. you know and there's all you always hear about like toxic masculinity right. hear about all these different things you want your boys to be boys and you want them to grow up to be strong and confident men so what were you some of your experiences with that okay when you yeah. were raising the best boy honestly oh well I mean, you know, yeah so she did such a great job oh. with me i figured you might oh, yeah. share some of that wisdom with everybody else. Uh, well because i had two daughters first you know i and i have to remember i grew up in the time of uh Feminism starting, women's rights, and you know, and and you know, we boys are just different because we train them differently, and we give them different toys, and that's why they're you know, and I, 
I, you know, I thought, well, maybe, maybe that is true. So, you know, and I had two daughters, but I definitely wanted them to be just as strong and, you know, confident. Then you came along and I thought, so it'd be basically the same. And, um, but it wasn't, um, there actually is a difference between boys and girls and, um, and it's for, you know, the best actually, because we're made to be different. But, um, (laughs) I mean, you just automatically wanted to throw a ball, throw the ball. I think that was your first word, throw the ball. And, um, you gravitated towards different things than they did. Not that they were, they weren't in love with dolls and stuff either, but there definitely was a difference. I wouldn't say one's easier than the other, but um, it's just different. You you were different than I thought, because I thought, I'll just raise you the same way to be confident, and um, it'll be basically the same. But, you, you know, it a boy is different than a girl. And I know that's probably um, not politically correct in today's society of many genders, but um, that's the way, that's the way I see it. That's fair. And I I think it's hard. I think modern times is hard to raise a young man, a boy, because of like what you're saying, um, so many things, did did we freeze? No, 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 go ahead. Anyway, um, in modern times now, you know, boys were cautioned, don't let them have toxic masculinity, um, politically correct, make sure everything, you know. And um, so I think it's it's harder for moms of boys nowadays to, to know how to raise them, you know, not to be too tough and strong and... And I don't think you ever thought you were better than anybody. You know, it, it just, um, I, did, I didn't have a problem with boys being raised to be um, strong and protective and, but also considerate and respectful. That's fair. I think that's a good answer. We got a couple more questions and then we'll all, right. be all done. Okay. Okay. So the, Next one is, what is the absolute hardest thing about being a mom? Okay. I would have to say the hardest thing about being a mom is when something is wrong with your child that you can't fix. Uh, That could be an illness, uh, a disappointment. um, That just is heartbreaking for a mom. If there's something that your child is going through that you can't fix, because I always wanted to fix everything. I didn't want, you know, there to be anything that I couldn't fix for any of you. Um, So that, you know, that's got to be the hardest. um, So how do you get through that? when you're out of control, um, pray. <laughs> now, I, 
I've never, um, you know, I'm Catholic, you know that I was raised Catholic and I've always gone to church and um, I've probably never considered myself devout or anything, but I, I believed in prayer. I believed in prayer and um, prayer is what got me through. And I think a lot of moms would say, you know, prayer and when it's no longer in your control, um, uh, that prayer will help you. It did, it did me, you know, that, you know, for God to please watch over my children, take care of my children, help me, help me do the best thing for them. Uh, I'd have to say that. Oh, that's great. All right. Now an easy one, or at least a happy one. Okay. Is the best part about being a mom. Okay. It's fun. So many fun times. Um, memories that are priceless of um, funny things that happened in our travels. And um, every stage, every stage of your childhood was, all three of you, was special. People would say, I would hear some moms say, I can't wait till they're older so they can do this or that. And I always thought, I love this stage right here. And then, then, then it went to the next stage, and I said, but I like this stage, too. Uh, this one's kind of fun, too. So getting to be, you know, involved in my children's lives was the best thing. You know, it's, like I said, it's priceless. You can't, um, you can't buy that. And so... Um, I, I was going to say that my daughter gave me a um, picture with a saying when she had her first baby, and it said, great moms get promoted to grandma. And so <laughs> now I get to see the second round, and I've been blessed unbelievably with eight wonderful grandchildren. So um, that's the best thing about being a mom. And someone once told me, they saw us as a family interacting and, and these were two military doctors that were married and they said, you know, I see your family and, and, you know, we both are doctors and but we don't have children. And she said, I think you have more than me because I look at you and your beautiful family. And I think that's better. Well, that was pretty um, influential to me. That's very nice. So what's better being a mom or a grandma? Um, <laughs> at this point, being a grandmom, because I'm tired, I'm getting a little tired and I can give them back, but yeah. I love, I love all their, um, happenings and following what they're doing. And of course, you know, as you know, with your nieces and nephews, they're all at different ages. So it's super fun to see what they're involved in. And I think all three of you have become excellent parents with the help of your spouses, of course. Of course. Wonderful parents. So well, uh, it's a complete blessing. Well, Mimi, you did an awesome job. I'm super proud of you. And you. I won't make you say which child is your favorite. I think we all know which one. You do? You think so? Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, oh. I'm pretty sure. Well, we'll it's let Jessica. you think whatever it's you Jessica. want. It's Jessica, so we all know Okay. Jessica. Right. <laughs> Um, no, uh, thank you so much. And I hope you guys have a wonderful time this week. 
out on the ocean having fun and just relaxing. Um, And then, oh, also for everybody that doesn't know, this was also an interview with my lead editor, by the way. So yes, definitely, definitely got that going for her. She's my. That is a very proud job I have. Editor, proofreader. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of red marks when I get them back. Of a novelist. I mean, that's, you know, I've always wanted to be that. So that's helped me with a (laughs) career goal. Yeah. Well, well, I'm glad I could help, Mom. Thank you. Yeah. But thank you so much and love you and look forward to seeing you at the end of the month. All right. right. It'll be fun. We'll see you at the island. Bye. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Well, that's the end of the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I had a great time. Uh, It was a lot of fun talking to my mom, as it often is. So for this Mother's Day, make sure you reach out. Thank your mom. Thank other moms around you. You know, they do everything for us, and we should never miss an opportunity to say thank you. Also, if you're looking for a book to read, you can help support my mom as my head editor and proofreader (laughs) and pick up one of my books. Athlete to Christie, Providence Athlete to Christie, and Henry Sissel OIF Journal. They're both available on Amazon. Uh, I got some audiobooks. You can check out other episodes of the podcast, other things like that. My website's joecthomasauthor.com. Feel free to check it out. I try to release some pretty regular content, funny stuff, serious stuff, just kind of all over the map, whatever I'm thinking. And if you could, please leave me a review and a rating for the podcast. I sure would appreciate it. It really helps the show to grow. And helps other people find us. Until next time, take care. Bye. My love for you will make me try forever.